0: Kia everybody, or as the case may be now, g'day. Um, we're finally up and running again with the Stag World podcast. It's been quite a nice hiatus, um, been getting settled here in Australia, we're still a bit of furniture short. I'm recording this on the couch that we're borrowing from my work. We have one chair, um, we have a few things for Billy to play with. A vacuum cleaner and a clothes horse washing machine, and our mattress is still on the floor. So, <laughs> getting there, our stuff is on its way from New Zealand, and we have a car. So, we're slowly but surely getting settled in and loving the environment. It's so good to live opposite the beach, even if the beach does have the on shark circling around every now and again. And if you've been following StagVision Vision on Instagram, you would have seen the photo I put up the other day last week, for some unknown reason work decided to book a locum for the last fortnight at the place I work in inland and uh, so that meant that I got two paid days off um, which was absolutely absolutely remarkable. was able to go and enjoy the beach with Billy and Alex and relax and regroup and yeah, refocus, and sure enough, we managed to sneak in a podcast there on today, which is Sunday, um, ironically, International Digital Detox Day, of not been able to achieve that, but that's all good, um, we had plenty of detoxing on Thursday and Friday, um, I'm back into rugby, much to Alex's disappointment, but um, I find that In a life where I'm at home with two beautiful girls in my job Um, as an optometrist, it's quite a... a, It's it's still customer service orientated, so you you very much need to be very understanding and listening is a key part of the job. And I find that being out on the rugby field is one of those things that gets you to be into that hyper-masculine um environment obviously you get to tackle people, <laughs> and so it really balances me out and I think overall makes me a better person um the constant problem solving the the challenge the physical exertion um all put me to the limits test me out, and it means that come day to the day I could be a much more level headed person and yeah it's a it's a great outlet for me and so um, despite the fact that it means being away a little bit which is very very hard and i definitely understand alex's apprehensions with that and and, yeah I, i do feel bad for that because it's it's not fair but at the same time um i think it's necessary for me to be the best person i can be going forward anyway this is enough about a little bit of journey i'm sure you've been following it along on instagram um it's time to get into the podcast it's why you're all here what what you want to listen to we're bringing you lucas and martina from grillo protein we got in touch with grillo through kai for who we interviewed a few episodes ago and yeah they are bringing cricket protein to the world i touch on in the podcast why this sort of interested me and why it resonated with me now I'm a massive advocate for pasture-raised animals, um, obviously for hunting, but in terms of a large-scale protein, and you hear about it from Joe Rogan talking about how vegans should eat insects, um, in terms of large-scale protein, like Martina talks about B12, um, those oils, you know, it's, it's something that might just fill a gap Hey, it might not be optimal, the optimal uh, nutrition, but it is something that we've done in a previous ancestral life, and in a case of survival, I know I'd be tapping into those bugs and and crickets and cicadas and all those sorts of things um, for a good protein source to try and sustain. But enough about enough rambling. Let's hear from Martina and Lucas. And I hope you enjoy this. It's great to be back, and um, we hope to keep it consistent from now on. Cheers, enjoy. Enjoy like a glass of water, I've got a glass for you. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll be good. Yeah. Hello, everybody. We're sitting down at Shelter in Lennox Head with uh, Martina and Lucas from Grillo Protein. How are you today? What have you been doing this weekend? We'll start with you, Martina.
1: Uh, I did a bit of work, had some family friends, had coffee, went to the markets, yeah.
0: Nice. Which market was that?
1: Uh, Farmer's Market in Bangalore.
0: Yes, we went there last Mm. week. What what was your favorite thing to pick up?
1: Oh, strawberries.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. And you, Lucas? Um, I've been uh, doing a bit of work this weekend. I did a tasting yesterday uh, for Grillo in uh, Chugun. And I've uh, been surfing
0: a bit. Nice. Surf small, but the water is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whereabouts were you surfing? Uh, Suffolk Park. Suffolk Park. Yeah. Um, yesterday in Angels Beach, the helicopter was buzzing and the siren was going off. So, every- everybody was out of the water. <laughs> I think the same happened at Suffolk as well, just before I went surfing. Oh dear. I heard. <laughs> 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 nice. So. We'll start off with, you said the name Grilo Who is Grilo and what does Grilo mean?
1: Grilo means uh, crickets in Portuguese Nice And yeah, we are from Brazil and that's why we chose Grilo to be our brand's name Because it's, yeah, crickets in Portuguese Yeah But it also means uh, good luck in some countries and yeah
0: And who is Grillo?
2: Grilo I think, I think Grillo is the is the whole team, is Grillo, I would say. Um, like Martina said, it means uh, crickets in Portuguese and it's a way of representing a bit of our country too, where we're from. And we thought it was going to be a beautiful name to to have the business on. Nice. And so how many is in the team? There's four of us. Yeah. There's uh, Martina and I, also my partner Camila and...
0: Martina's partner, Pedro. Yes. Nice. So, very family.
1: Family reasons.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so, um, who is Lucas? Um, I,
2: I, I, I'm a chef yeah? um, by trade. And um, I also have a bit of background in international business. I moved, moved to Australia 12 years ago. And uh, I decided this was the place I wanted to be. And uh, I went back to Brazil just for a few visits. I became an Australian citizen now. And I just want to be here for as long as I can. It's a beautiful
0: spot. Lovely. And Martina, who who are you? (laughs) (laughs) How did you Uh, end up in Australia as well?
1: (laughs) Uh, I came to Australia four years ago. My plan was just staying for a year. Uh, But then I ended up uh, staying. So, yeah, I I have a business degree. Yeah. I studied in Brazil, and then I finished my studies, and I was a bit lost there. I didn't know what to do. I was a bit upset with my job, not having much fun. And yeah, then I decided to come to Australia just for a year to see if I have any ideas of what to do, what uh, what I wanted to be and do for a career. And then yeah, I ended up staying and. We started Grillo. Yeah, and I'm also a barista. Yeah. And sometimes I do a few shapes, still make some coffee, which <laughs> I love. Yeah, it's a good balance between computer work for Grillo and to talk to people at, in a cafe or yeah. It's yeah. just it's a good balance.
0: Uh, so what was the the business that you went into following university and, and what was getting you down about that business? That? Sorry. What was the business you went into following university and what was sort of getting you down about that business?
1: Uh, I used to work in a media company in Brazil, a TV, newspaper and a radio company. I used to work for, uh, I used to do marketing for the company's directors, so it was more, um, yeah, promoting uh, events, uh, meetings and doing some a lot of CRMs, so customer relationship management for them yeah it was a bit stressful but I learned a lot and I've been uh, using some skills that I learned mm. in Grillo now so, Nice.
0: Yeah. and so coming to Australia what what did you did you what did you find was it a gradual process or was it an aha moment <laughs>
1: it was an aha uh-huh moment I started working a cafe as a waitress and I was ju- I just wanted to do something very different uh, than I was doing in Brazil sitting all day long in an office from nine in the morning to 7 p.m so I just wanted to do something very different from my uh, reality in Brazil mm. so I, w- I started doing some... Uh, ships as a waitress in a cafe in Bayern, and then being a barista, and then started Grillo, yeah.
0: Nice, and, and Lucas, you, before we got started, you said you went to New Zealand and you worked as a, uh, on the press for the world. The press, that's right. <laughs> what took you to New Zealand, mate?
2: I think New Zealand, um, I wanted to live an experience, a bit of a sabbatic year, mm-hmm. uh, I I engaged in university and I thought I wasn't sure if it was what I wanted to study. Then I went to New Zealand, lived there for two years, and then uh, my mom and dad said, "All right, now it's time to come back, finish your <laughs> uni." I went back and um, I got a job with my father in um, the se- it was actually the second uh, biggest uh, chicken export uh, company in in uh, in Brazil, mm. but. Uh, the corporate world was a bit uh, depressive to be honest. Mm-hmm. I was working 7 to 7, only seeing the light through the window, and I was getting fat and not getting sun and not enjoying the beach. So I also wanted a change, just like Martina did. And um, I wanted to, to come to Australia. Mm-hmm. I, I started to do a chef's course in Brazil just to gain a bit of experience because I thought cooking would be a way of working everywhere I would travel mm. and then I came came to Australia there was an opportunity here to, to migrate into the country as a chef so I did all my studies here yeah. left the corporate world and worked in the kitchens in between Sydney and Byron for about 12 years yeah. and then I had enough of that and <laughs> that, that's when Grillo, Grillo started like when we all decided to do a business together and we had a few business ideas that we wanted to do but when martina found out about crickets in america I thought oh this is
0: this is different this is cool and yeah we, we went for it uh, before we dive into that what, what was the type of um, culinary that you were working in i
2: think um to start with was very classic like australian breakfast and lunch and cuisine but then after uh, four and a half years i was very fortunate to to meet pedro in a, in a cafe that uh, was um, a healthy, very healthy and organic-driven cafe in uh, Avalon in Sydney was called the Healthy Chef. B- health Chef back then, and uh, I had the opportunity to work with Teresa, a lady from from Sydney who was a uh, an icon on health, mm. health cooking. And um, then I just learned a lot more about organic and being healthy and eating well. So I decided to drive my career that way and. And that's where I've what I've been cooking since then, just healthy, sustainable, organic food that I enjoy actually eating too, not just serving to people.
0: Yeah. Um, and how does that sort of feed back to your dad's business of the biggest chicken exporter in, mm-hmm. in, in, uh, yeah, in was Brazil? Yeah. It was not actually his business. He
2: was but working there as well. He was one of the, the directors. But um, yeah, he, he always supported me on everything I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, he knew that the corporate world was a, a tough, tough game, and and he could see that was I was wanting to to experience new things and and do something different. He was an accountant. He yeah. is an accountant, and and he knew I didn't want to follow that path. Yeah. And uh, even though I really enjoy working with international trade, was. It is what I love still. Mm. That was not the right time for me as a 21-year-old. You don't <laughs> want to be in the office all day. You want to be out and about
0: and traveling and surfing and doing other things. Nice. Um, so you guys came together and you said you had a number of ideas. What what was sort of on the table? When, when, well, firstly, what sparked a, a brainstorm session to come up with a business?
1: We were always... Uh, um, into superfoods. Yeah. And we are just thinking, yeah, we, we have to find something that is not available in Australia yet, a superfood that's not available here, as we are from South America, and they, there's so many stuff from Amazon, from Peru, and yeah. And then we, we start to do some research, and actually I was training for a half marathon, so I was running five days a week, 10Ks, mm a day and I was feeling very tired because we are and we are all about sustainability as well so we started to uh, watch some documentaries about sustainability and we stopped having that much meat at home and start to have um, more sustainable meals mm. so we were kind of uh, on a vegan diet for a while, a while trying, trying it out but I, I was training for the half marathon and I couldn't keep up training with that diet I was always feeling very weak and low energy levels and low iron and I started having some vegan proteins like pea protein and brown rice I tried many things and it didn't work and then I decided to do my own research and found out about the crickets the mm. cricket powder and I bought a a package from America because it it wasn't available uh, here in Australia. Uh, I bought it from America and started having it every day in my smoothies in the morning. And after a month I was feeling so much better, like energy levels high and I could wake up in the morning full of energy and do my stuff. So I convinced everyone at home to start having it as well. So we all started having it in every meal. The boys were trying some recipes, like they used to do veggie patties with the cricket powder in it. And yeah, they started to cook with the cricket powder and we, we started having it in our vegan meals. Yeah. So our, um, our one and only animal protein source was crickets mm-hmm. for a while. And we were all feeling very good. So that's how it all started.
0: Nice. And so, what was the response from everybody else when we thought, yeah, eat some ground up crickets? What did you think? <laughs> I, th-
2: I think at the, the start, everyone thought we were crazy. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. so. We were the odd ones eating insects, and um, our friends were supportive because they, they knew. Uh, We were very passionate about everything we would do and they knew we would eventually succeed on that, but everyone was a bit sus on us and trying to understand why these guys stopped eating fish and stopped eating meat and now eating insects, no one does that. But then the more the business evolved and we started to show our friends and, and people that were close to us that it's okay to eat insects and it's not going to affect the taste of your meal Mm. and you maximize the nutrition they started to accept more and the same started to happen with all the demos and tastings that we did with grillo at at the start no one would never heard about it but now it seems like a a much more common thing Mm. and we we uh, believe in a couple of years time maybe three to four years will become a commodity in australia and everyone will be eating crickets just like everyone now eats raw raw fish Mm. and hemp which Mm. before was illegal now it's everywhere yeah so you see the same pattern happen to crickets down the track
0: yeah um it's quite cool coming to australia and being able to see hemp on the on the shelf like um of chocolate, make that hemp mm. chocolate bar and in New Zealand it's sold as soap yeah <laughs> 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 but of course it's chocolate but <laughs> um, yeah it's it's, uh, it's an interesting thing um, I, I, I know a group of dairy farmers in the middle of the North Island are growing a hemp lot and they've got to have everything away from the road, they've got to get permits for everything and even then to try then to sell it they're having all sorts of problems so hopefully that can uh, expand shortly Mm -hmm. in New Zealand and it's interesting you say about the nutrition of it Um, preparing for this podcast I was kind of thinking of whether I hear about crickets or or insects and it took me back to um, when I was 14 at a school camp We did a little bit of a survival session where we were in the bush and the um, Department of Conservation guide pretty much said if you are in the bush and you've got no food and you buy a river, if you basically put a sock or a t-shirt or something in the river you'll collect all these insects and if you eat those, those are higher in protein than anything else and you just might survive and it'll sustain you and so we ate we caught these bugs with a t-shirt in the river and mm-hmm. ate them and, and then um, stupidly at a Rhythm and Vines concert again in Gisborne yeah, I've, I've been down twice <laughs> <laughs> um, someone dared me to eat a cicada and I, in the state I remembered oh yeah it's high protein it'll be sweet <laughs> but um, you, you said the energy levels whilst you are vegan we're, were down trying to train what is it about the crickets nutrition that do you think got, got you up again is the oils and fats or, and, and obviously the protein content yeah, of it is
1: mainly the protein I would say because it's uh, the nutritional uh, profile of crickets and other edible bugs they're quite similar to beef mm-hmm. so it, uh, crickets for example they have 69% protein which is very high and I think for me was the main thing was protein yeah. and also iron.
0: Yes, right.
1: They are high in iron as well. Yeah.
2: B12, yeah, and B12, they are extremely high in B12. Yeah. I mean, in mm-hmm. 10 grams of crickets, you get more than 150% of the daily intake, recommended daily intake on vitamin B12. That, and that's a very important vitamin. A lot of people need that. and
1: Especially vegans. Yeah. Especially <laughs> on
2: a vegan diet, for us, was a struggle. Like yeah. Camila, my partner, she was struggling with the iron and B12 deficiency for quite a while. And we, we even uh, designed one of the blends that we have, the Super Greens, yeah. thinking of how we could bump the iron intake for people. And it became like a, a blend where you can get 53% of the daily intake in iron in only one serve. Yeah. So you have a smoothie and you're already halfway through. So you mm-hmm. yeah. and,
0: and thank you very much you sent me through some of that super blends. It was, it was very green. Do you guys have seaweed in there? You're speaking about iron and, 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 and B12 and things like that. Have you tapped into seaweed as well? That- and, and kelp? <laughs> Uh, we haven't tapped into kelp yet.
2: Yeah. We actually tried the uh, kelp the other day at harvest on the mm-hmm. Future Foods oh, uh, yeah. event we had. Uh, we participated with the Northern Rivers Food Group, but we do use um, other greens like florella, spirulina, mm. wheatgrass, which is very high in iron, uh, barley grass, and um, yeah, that's the four greens that we mm-hmm. use at the moment on it. Beautiful.
0: No, it was it, I was definitely felt a zing after that one. Nice. <laughs> cool. So as as a team, what's sort of the ethos of, of Grillo? You know, it, it must be easy, you know, being with partners and, and being able to go back and forth and um, what's the ethos of, of the company to to drive it forward? What 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 drives this superfood sustainable revolution?
2: I I think uh, sustainability is the biggest driver for us Uh, and uh, eating well Mm -hmm. and uh, respecting nature as well and our environment you know and doing something to create a positive impact which for us is changing our eating habits and uh, introducing a whole new way of eating in Australia which is insects like not much people uh that are currently living in Australia eat insects. The the real Australians, the, the aborigines used to eat a lot of um, insects before, like the witchery grubs and, and Christmas beetles, things like that. But that has been lost uh, through evolution. We unfortunately stopped eating uh, bugs when we domesticated cows and chickens. Mm. And um, it was a very very sad moment I believe for uh, our evolution right because we stopped eating the most sustainable uh, food and one of the most uh, nutrient dense foods to focus on something that was um, more profitable Mm. and uh, that only many many years later we realized that was causing a very negative impact in our
0: environment which is the livestock industry Mm. um with with the s- sustainability um how how is it is it is it farmed how what is what is the environment that you need to create to produce a large number of crickets so the, the,
2: they are um, very easy to to farm they can grow in uh, any space it's basically it could be done in a warehouse mm-hmm. um for uh, for example the the farm where you're getting Crickets from they um, adapt an uh, old uh, chicken yep. house into a um, it's a 5,000 square meter facility just for the organic crickets and now they upgrading up to 50,000 square meters for their whole production. They stay on a temperature between 30-36 degrees uh, Celsius, which in Canada can be a very big Mm. difference from inside the farm. Sometimes it's 30 degrees inside, but when you go out, it could be minus 30 outside. They use uh, very little water. Um, To produce one kilo of crickets, you need only one liter of water, Mm. in comparison to beef, where you need 20,000 liters of water for one kilo of protein. It's a huge difference. That's why they say that crickets are 12 times more efficient than, than beef. Uh, they can be grow they can be farmed on a vertical farm too, so mm-hmm. there are projects I seen in America where they're developing cricket farms on the CBDs of big cities just to show people that it can be done everywhere and not just on the countryside, mm-hmm. which could be a so, uh, one another solution for the future um, since we are running out of uh, land yeah and uh they also have a very short life cycle, which is six to eight weeks, so they reproduce very fast. And uh, they only get harvested at the end of their life cycle mm-hmm. to minimize any kind of impact and uh, to make sure that they have enough time to layer their eggs mm-hmm. before their life
0: cycle is finished. Um, are they like mini insects where laying the eggs is the end of their life cycle, basically? yeah well they they only layer their eggs toward when they
2: met ma- m- mature yeah so right at the end of the life cycle about like seven to eight weeks, and then after that they get harvested mm-hmm. and so what are they feeding on they the crickets could be fed anything like from um organic vegetable waste to carrots broccoli lettuce, anything for um, for the sake of having a consistent nutritional profile and keep that 69% protein high in B12, they use an organic meal to feed them. Yeah. So they designed a meal which is made to reach those nutritional content. There were like cases where they would uh, And that's where it becomes tricky to feed them only vegetable waste because, for example, in one time of the year you're going to be feeding them lots of broccoli and cauliflower and things, but then down the track you won't be able to keep that same nutrition profile because you're going to be feeding them, I don't know, carrots and lettuce and and other things. So they had to design a meal which is 100% organic to feed them and keep up the, the, the maximum nutrition.
0: So this could potentially be an answer to a sort of food waste problem as well do you think I, I think it could Yeah. it definitely could
2: uh, as long as again um, it's the, the animals are fed in a way that keeps the nutrition profile Yeah. but it definitely I see farms using vegetable waste and I believe in the future once crickets are a commodity we're all going to be able to if we want to farm them at home mm. just like people have sometimes their chicken yeah. or um, one cow or just how they grow their basil at home. Yeah. There's, there are projects in America that want to teach people on how to do that in order that in the future everyone will know how to to have some crickets at home to feed their family.
1: There, there is a company uh, on Kickstart uh, doing a cricket farm. It's It looks like a little like a little container with drawers. And the company name, the company's name is uh, Living Farms. So yep. you can check it out. It's a, a home home cricket farm, mm. very awesome. little ones.
0: Beautiful. Mm. One of the really interesting things I saw on that document you sent through to me was that they could be a very good use yeah, for yeah. feeding other animals. Yeah. And in particular... Um, the likes of fish farms now fish is supposed to be this really you know nutrient-dense high omega-3 animal and and really nutritious yet a lot of those for likes of salmon that we get now is farmed salmon and they're being fed corn and oil and soy waste product and so that apparently is affecting the makeup of this the the fish and a lot of the color that the fish are getting is is from adding carrot to it so that they're nice and orange yeah and then and if it wasn't for what's in the meal then they wouldn't have that color and like i said if you put in a good stream if you put a t-shirt in in there you will grab a whole lot of bugs which is what the fish you (laughs) know actually eat in and any sort of fly fisherman will tell you that they use a different type of fly depending on the season, depending on what the bugs are, you know, depending on what other animals, you know, sometimes they use a a mouse fly as well and so that was one of the really exciting things that instead of feeding these fish, you know, corn waste and soy waste and having these high omega 6 fish, that you could use, use crickets. What other, you know, um... I guess, food spectrum could, could the cricket fit into?
2: I think, um, like I haven't heard yet of um, like uh, fish farms using insects to feed their, uh, their fish, yeah. but I, I know that in Australia there are many, many insect farms uh, focusing on livestock feed. Right. Uh, and just like you said they, they don't want to feed them any crap waste food they're trying to feed them insects which, which are actually a much more sustainable option than soy for example yeah. and corn I, I think it's okay it would be okay if they're using uh, organic corn or organic uh, soy to yeah. feed their fish then they would get a good nutrition profile from it but uh, I don't think it's okay to, to feed them like stuff just to make it more colorful or yeah. just for the looks,
0: <laughs> and not actually <laughs> for the nutrition. for the nutrition. Yeah. Um, so you guys said that you're looking at getting a whole product into Australia, and of course that comes with biosecurity measures. How is as an insect farm, mission there's already insect farms in Australia? How are they addressing the biosecurity um, aspect? I think the. There are, there are cricket farms in Australia. They use
2: uh, one particular species, which is the aceta domesticus species. It's a different species from the one we buy from Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, the farm where we get getting the crickets from, they used the same aceta domesticus species. However, they had um, an issue. At one year of their uh their production that this cricket was a bit more suitable for a uh, disease and when i say disease is not something that would be any bad for humans but they've basically they lost their whole production for the year just like you lose the the crop of yeah. i don't know like corn or something you know? and then they started the, to work on a new species that was much stronger mm-hmm. than uh, the first one unfortunately in Australia, this species is not allowed in. Uh, yeah. There are uh, many farms, including one uh, in Canberra. There is a, a friend of ours that that she does black soldier flies for uh, livestock feed. She wanted to bring in this species to Australia, mm-hmm. but she haven't got the approval from the Department of Agriculture, which is in a way unfortunate because uh, there is all these groups of people trying to create a whole new industry which is the edible insect industry and invest they invest in their money their life their time everything to create a whole new sustainable industry but they they have a massive risk because if it happens that they lose all their production of crickets once and they lose all their eggs they gotta start from zero again and to start from zero again would be very hard for them. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be, would be smart for our government to allow us, or not us, but cricket farmers to bring in a new species of course, it has to be all controlled and done it properly, but I'm sure they have the, the tools and facilities to do that. But this would uh, secure the industry much more, and all these people that have been investing five to ten years working on something, they would not be at risk of losing everything in one night, yeah. which happened to the lady uh, Olympia, our friend from GoTea in, uh, in Canberra. She did have her whole... Uh, her whole cricket farm wiped. Yeah. They all died because she was learning how to feed them and what to feed them and uh, which environment they would be growing best. And, and she lost everything, so she had to start from from a few eggs again and then reproduce into to more crickets and then again double the size and then she restarted again. But uh, she, she mentioned she even went to the department of agriculture to try and talk to them, but they were very restricted. And um, yeah, unfortunately, still very hard for cricket farms in Australia to to grow and and get to a bigger scale and mm-hmm. make it more mainstream and and use all the the opportunities that there are there, like for Australia to export into the Asian market and into every other market like America, Canada, Europe. Everyone everyone's starting to catch on to more sustainable uh, practices, and insects is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, I guess from their perspective, they're worried about uh, release of a new species into Australia and what it might do to the ecosystem, but even um, a large-scale um, population of crickets could could devastate the likes of a you know a pasture or or like you know, broccoli or anything anything like that. So. Um, how, how do they protect the Australian em- environment? What, and obviously, that must be one of the big sink costs of, of setting up a critical farm is making sure it's a secure environment. Yeah. yeah.
2: I, th- I think that's one of the, the biggest concerns from the Department of Agriculture is not to introduce a new pest yeah. in, into Australia. But uh, I think that the, this, this animal that is considered a pest mm. uh, and it's been looked at as a pest for many many years should be seen as a solution for, uh, for not just for Australia but for the for the future generations for the for the world imagine if we could uh, teach the whole Africa how to farm crickets and they could sustain themselves by having a few crickets in the garden and and not needing much water which is it is an issue in, in Africa. Uh, if we change our mindset, the way we look at these animals, it, it could offer us an opportunity and not uh, offer us a problem like,
0: like it's seen at the moment. Hmm. I, I immediately thought, you know, 1970s in New Zealand that had this uh, big cull operation of, of feral deer and somebody decided to trap a few and now there's a booming industry, you know. What are we now? Forty, nearly fifty years later on, could be the same for you know a pesky pis- cricket in your garden. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. Could could, uh, could feed your family. Um, so where do people find find the product? You just Australia or you all over?
1: <laughs> yeah, for now we are just selling in Australia. Yeah. Uh, people can find it online in a few health shops. Um, yeah, mainly online. I think it's the easiest way
0: mm-hmm.
1: when we do uh, three cricket powder blends, uh, which one is the plain cricket flour, cricket powder, one is the super greens, which is high in iron and B12. And we also have um, a protein powder, chocolate protein powder which is the cricket flour mixed with uh, pea protein and brown rice protein and cacao. So we have those three powders, and we also have two energy bars. One is uh, banoffee pie, and the other one is rock cacao fudge. And we are working on our next flavor. Yeah. So, yeah, just keep an eye on it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And where do people sort of find the especially the the public relations side of things how do people check out the story and and the vibe of 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 grillo
1: i think uh, on social media i think we use instagram a lot like uh, in our stories we always post recipes and our daily lives uh meals we do with cricket powder and yeah i think the mainly channel would be instagram Mm and our website as well and people can uh claim a free sample on our website if they're willing to try crickets for free (laughs) (laughs) they can just uh uh, head to our website and order one to try
0: awesome so what would be a question that you'd have for the audience or an idea that you'd like to leave the audience with one from each of you would be amazing (laughs) I, I think one, um,
2: one idea that I, that I think is that uh, the, f- the food chain is a very powerful tool we have. Yeah. We could uh, change everything in the world by changing the food chain. And we control the food chain. Yeah. It's not the... We have to change the mindset that the big corporations and the businesses, they control the food chain because that's what they want us to think. But we control the food chain. If we get one day and we we go as a nation or as a, a race, the human race, and say we're not going to eat this crap anymore, you guys have to put good food in our in our table. We want to eat something that is not causing an impact in the planet. If we say no to a few things that are causing all this destruction in our planet and start eating uh, different things like crickets, hemp, kelp, things that are not causing um, a negative impact in our environment, we can actually change a lot of things. But it's all, it's all on us, you know. We have to make that decision and, and decide what we want to eat and not just eat everything that is thrown at us. Mm. So I think changing our uh, eating habits, it's the most powerful tool we have, but it's yet not uh, explored on the full extent, you know. And I think that's the message I would like to give to people, like, think more when you're choosing what you're eating, because that can cause a very positive impact, not just on your life, but in many generations in the future, you know.
1: Yeah,
2: Yeah
0: for you Martina That's, uh, yeah I agree to follow
1: <laughs> <laughs> I agree with Lucas uh, and I also think people don't have to change their habits like they don't have to stop eating meat or being vegan or you know whatever they just can sometimes substitute some types of protein like some maybe twice a week don't eat any meat and try to eat another source of protein like crickets or hemp or I don't know whatever yeah. but yeah. just try to change uh, eating habits a little bit and yeah, choose for food that doesn't cost the earth.
0: Absolutely, work it. Yeah, Beautiful. thank you so much. And thank you. you both. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks,
0: Ryan. That's how that works.
1: Yeah.
0: What an awesome conversation, and it was a great time sitting there in the open air beside the beach. Um, as you heard, plenty of people enjoying themselves there at Shelter, and I love what Lucas finished with. It was really not something I expected from him it was it was so in-depth and why I guess things like farming so resonate so well with me we are in control of the food chain and this year it was so cool to be able to grow broccoli grow kale grow spring onions grow leeks in the garden um, harvest those and eat them fresh every day and it's exactly the same with crickets. We're in control of the food chain. Where do we want our food to come from? Do we want it to come from a factory or do we want it to be fresh, um, low impact and obviously delicious and nutritious? Um, The farming model that I want to seek out involves permaculture, involves um, restorative uh, agriculture, involves getting the soil as optimised as it can be, full of worms, full of uh, nutrition, so that the grass, the vegetables, the fruit, the the trees, the nuts, um, things like avocados, um, the animals that live off them, the chickens, the you know everything works together, and it's this ecosystem rather than this monoculture, and I guess that's where um, the world of crickets, whilst in the case of Grillo, is about having a end stage product that's a protein source that can, you know, supplement um, a diverse lifestyle without the impact that something like um, growing a cow in, in in the capacity of having a whole bunch of cows in, on a feedlot, or or in the case of pork and and of course chicken um, in these big cages. Uh, A cricket can provide a much more efficient source of protein. But also it can be um, a product that within the food chain in the greater picture can provide more sustainability. Like I mentioned uh, with fish farming, we can have these nutritious fish that are fed on a beautiful diet. He said it's already being um, used in the likes of um, cattle farms and dairy farms. Um, to provide a protein source for the animals, um, you know it's it's not just that, and then it can be used for food waste. The something positive can come from waste instead of going being buried in a in a tip or in a, in a dump where it it lets off greenhouse gases instead of being composted and and used and given back to the earth for. The organisms and the plants and things to use as energy and fuel, so it's something that I definitely see can link up this food chain, link up the ecosystem and drive us forward into a more economic and sustainable um, way of life and so that's why it was awesome to get Grillo on on board um, and I've tried the products they're they're tasty um, the powder the protein you know they you wouldn't even know that it's crickets um yet there's a massive hit of protein in there and it's it's really awesome um their their bars taste really good uh, they're a little bit high carb for my liking but at the same time around training um likes of after rugby i'd, I'd be happy to smash one of those back um get the blood glucose back up um or pre- preempt it with a bit of a bit of a boost for those well well made whole food sugars, um, and and yet yeah, charged into a workout with a bit of extra protein. Of course, all our podcasts support to you by Waiketo, w a i k e t zero dot dot com, w a i k t o on Facebook. We have all the podcasts there. We have great articles from a lot of our contributors. Um, and hopefully some future guests, um, if we can do things right. Be sure to share the podcast um, with your friends. Um, Give us a rating on iTunes. That's how these podcasts sort of work. Ratings on iTunes means that it gets in front of more faces, uh, gets suggested to more people. And thank you so much for all the word of mouth, all the feedback, and glad to be back. I hope you enjoyed this, and it'll be great to hear from you. Have an awesome week and hopefully we can bring you another podcast next week as well. Loving being back. Cheers.